With your little one, it's on the way, and you want to learn about how to plan a good bedtime routine, or you've already given birth and are faced with sleep issues or queries, then I've got a great episode for you. This week on First Time Moms Chat, I'm chatting with paediatric sleep specialist Hilary Julia. Hilary battled with sleep issues with her child, which left her sleep deprived and struggling. After experiencing an amazingly quick transformation, which she sought help, Hilary decided to make it her mission to help other parents faced with the same issues. If you're multitasking, make sure you give this episode 100% attention because Hilary has shared a ton of tips and insights which I'm certain you will find of value and you don't want to miss them. During our chat, you'll hear Hilary talk about why bedtime routines signal to your little one's body and brain that sleep is coming, making them crucial for a good sleep, why you need to follow exactly the same steps in your bedtime routine each and every day without exception, tips on when to schedule your little one's feeding and how it will impact their sleep cycle, how to help your little one sleep during the daytime and their nap times, and so, so much more. I'm Helen Thompson, and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm a childcare educator and baby math art instructor. I know that being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged mainly from four weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. To find out how Baby Massage can help you to increase your confidence and feel more connected with your baby, check out My Baby Massage introduction video at mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. Let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Hilary and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm delighted to have you here today and I'm looking forward to hearing all about how you help children with sleep and their routines. Can you start by telling us about you and your background? Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here. So thank you for the opportunity. And yeah, so I am a pediatric sleep specialist. I work with a wide range of children who are having trouble sleeping. So I do private coaching in my business with families, coaching with parents to help them solve their children's sleeping problems once and for all. And I came to this work following a background in psychology and social work and had returned to work after having my first child and was completely sleep deprived. He went from being a bad sleeper to a worse sleeper. And long story short, I wound up working with someone to help me with my own child kind of reluctantly at first, but when I finally accepted the support, he changed my life in three days. Literally, my kiddo went from waking every 45 minutes 
wow. all night long, 10 to 12 hours, to sleeping all night long in his own bed, peacefully, happily. Meanwhile, I was already trying to figure out a way to work for myself, work more flexibly. I didn't want to be in my office all day, every day away from my my baby. And the stars just kind of aligned. And after having that experience, I got certified as a sleep consultant and proud of my business. So I love what I do. I really bring in a lot of my background in psychology and social work to kind of help inform how I work with families and just love watching the ripple effect of what a family getting the rest they need can really do. Oh, wow. You sound as though you've got a lot of experience as a mother as well as a psychology side, which is great for moms. Yes. And I love, love helping families. So much. Love my job. I know as a baby massage instructor, how a baby massage routine before bed can actually help with sleep. When it comes to what you do, how do you incorporate a routine to mm-hmm. support mama and baby to have a better yes. night's sleep? Yes, yes. Awesome. So for starters, I think bedtime routines are one of those things we hear about them the moment we become parents, but it's like, when do we do that? What do we do? I'm here to tell you, they are not just a fluff word in parenting. They truly are really important pieces to good sleep because they are cueing systems to the body and the brain that sleep is coming. And so because of that, it is a really important step and how we structure them, what we do in them can make a difference, right? So first off, it's never too early to start a routine, but not all families will do it the first couple of weeks of baby's life. But if you've got a newborn and maybe you haven't done one yet, you can start anytime. Three, four months is a good age to start where they'll start picking up on those cues. What we do in those routines is important. So we want them to be conducive of good sleep. And I sometimes will start with new clients and I'll always ask what their bedtime routine is. And sometimes it's we start doing things to get ready for bed. And then we're playing for a while or kind of roughhousing with dad or we're playing with the dog. And those are all fine things to do to get out some energy at the end of the day. But I wouldn't recommend that you place them in the middle of your bedtime routine. So once we start your bedtime routine, we want it to be leading towards going in the bed and sleeping, right? Good rules of thumb are we want them to be about... 30 to 45 minutes, depending on the age of your child. Mm -hmm. We want them to be long enough that your child's body can kind of (laughs) transition, kind of get those cues and know what's going on, but not so long that the steps get muddled, gets long and drawn out, right? And then it kind of confuses them and is defeating the purpose. So we also want the steps you choose to have in your routine to happen in the exact same order every night. We want your child to come to predict what is coming next so that they know at the end of that last step, after this, modern dad's going to lay me in my bed, that'd be time to sleep, right? So that is a really important piece that sometimes gets overlooked when we're just kind of overwhelmed, rushing to get baby in bed. So I love so much that I get to talk to you about this because things like massage are really helpful components. We do want to calm the nervous system and doing the song on your baby is calming for both parent, mom, and baby, right? I love to include a bath in the bedtime routine and you don't have to, but if you do, the reason I like it is it is such 
a different sensation than anything else a baby experiences in their day, that sensation of water. That is a really good signaling activity that daytime has ended, nighttime is beginning. And I know many of us don't bathe our itty bitties every night. And that's fine. You can always supplement that stuff. I call it a wash up. Basically just warm baby washcloth, hands, face, feet kind of thing to hold that space in the routine, kind of simulate it on nights. You may not be doing a full bath. If your child is under 12 months, <clears throat> we do want to be sure that we're including a feeding in there. And some people hold on to them a little longer. But where the feeding falls in the routine can actually have a big impact on how sleep goes. So with itty-bitty newborns, we're going to feed closer to the end of the routine because they can't go as long. That makes sense. Three, four months and beyond, we actually want to start to move that feed still in the routine, but a little bit more up in the routine. And the reason is so that they get a nice full feed while they're awake. And so they don't fall asleep while they are feeding. So a lot of the work I do mm -hmm. with families is to help untangle the relationship between certain things and sleep. And the feeding's a big one. We want your baby to feed because they need food and they're hungry and we want them to sleep because they need sleep. But feeding to sleep for an ongoing basis can actually start to cause more sleeping problems. So you can experiment with before bath, right after bath, you know, for a little bit older child. And then you're going to put a diaper and nappy on. It's a great time to do some of those soothing and calming activities, it might be massage, might be a little aromatherapy, something to just calm the nervous system. And then after you get them dressed in their pajamas, some people will use sleep sacks or wearable blankets. Some don't. They're great for those babies that are too young to have a loose blanket here in the States anyways. The American Academy of Pediatrics says 12 months and beyond. And the other great thing about them is they only come on at sleep time. So it's another really great cue. Mommy's zipping up the wearable blanket, time to sleep. And then at the end of the routine are some, some activities. I think even from a young age, it's great to introduce a really short book with small infants. I'm talking one word and a picture on a page here. But it's a great step. It will grow with your child. So part of these routines, is how can we set them up so that they'll stay similar, but grow as your child develops. And then the final steps that I like to do include a song and a key phrase. And these are verbal cues or auditory cues. So when we talk about singing, I like families to pick a short, repetitive song. I don't care what it is. It can be as simple as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. It doesn't even have to be a baby song. It's something short and repetitive that anybody who puts the child to sleep, any of the caregivers, can sing the same song. So the song does a couple of things. Yes, it helps prepare us. It helps calm us. But it's also a really strong cue. Music is wildly powerful in the brain. And they're going to start to recognize that this song means I'm going into sleep. 
So it might look like you're holding your baby just before you lay them in their bed. You sing them this sweet song. We're not trying to sing them to sleep. We're trying to help them prepare for sleep. Hugs, kisses, your last little cuddle, and then they can go into their bed. And when you place them in their bed, it's a good time to have a little key phrase. And this is a little spoken kind of verbal cue that's going to mean it's sleep time. And again, we want any caregiver that's going to be involved to use the same one. So it might be as simple as it's night-night time, Sarah, whatever the baby's name is. In my house, we say it's night-night time. It's time to rest your body. Just short, simple phrase that you're going to say every time. And if you can get in the pattern of doing these things in a routine, systematic way, by the time your child is several months old, they're going to completely know, and it's going to help prepare them to get better sleep because they're going to 100% know what's expected of them. I love how you talk about books and songs because I think that is so important, whether it's sleep or anything, it's so Mm -hmm. important for child development because it's such a relaxing cue. You mentioned the bath as well. I think Mm -hmm. all of those are preparing to relax. Those are key because not only are you relaxing with your baby, you're giving your baby that quality time, but they're also getting that quality time from you as well. Mm -hmm. And they know that this particular time is me and mummy time. I think your routine sounds so loving and soothing. I wish I had somebody to do that for me to help me to get to sleep. <laughs> right? Me too. Oh gosh, me too. I know my own isn't nearly as lovely as much as I try. But from a mom's perspective, I can tell you I've been doing pretty much that routine. My oldest child is five and a half. And we have been doing that since he was about six months old when I got some help with his sleep and it is the same at this point he knows exactly what comes next he's singing songs with me you know the time they turn about two years old they start singing that song back to you that you've been singing to them for Mm -hmm. two years and it is a really sweet moment of connection with your child so it's something that will last with them for we can have the craziest of days we can be busy we can be away from our kids but that's when I'm you're able to have that 45 minutes or so is the time where you're truly going to get to connect and just be with your child. And it's lovely for both people. For when sure. they get a bit older, have you ever thought of putting that routine down as a picture format? I know mm-hmm. from a childcare perspective, I encourage parents to do that, to help yeah. their child. Once they know the routine, they say to grandma, okay, no, grandma, that's not the next step. The next step is this. And they actually show grandma uh-huh. and they can tick off little picture and say right grandma I've done that one now it's my time to read a book or whatever it is yes absolutely and in my coaching practice when I work with that toddler age group we do that and you're right they help to check them off they really love they're growing into independence they're becoming their own little people but it helps them to have some autonomy and a little bit of control kind of have a role Mm. in it because they're going to go check it in the last few years in my work, I've had families actually take pictures of their kid doing the steps of the routine. So you can do it just with clip art or pictures from book. But if you you snap a quick photo, even on your phone, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be professionally printed. But if you can just get pictures of your own child, it's an age 
where they love seeing pictures of themselves mm. and you just, just type them up on the wall, each step of them in their routine and they're going to walk through and they're going to help you help, help them stay on track. And it can also reduce some of the kind of power struggles that mm. tend to come with that age because we're putting a little bit of responsibility in their hands. We're there doing it with them, but they can very much go walk over to that wall and what's next? We got out of the bath. What happens next? And be a part of that with you. I love that. Yeah. And as you said, if you start them from a young age, doing exactly the same routine every night, once Mm -hmm. they get to that stage, although they can't communicate with you, they know. They've got that sense that, oh, this is going to happen. You start them very young. I like your nice, relaxing, easy approach because it's Mm -hmm. not like oh I'm standing by the door watching them going to sleep you actually teach them and guide them in that process you're not saying right it's bedtime time to go to bed and you're not scaring them you're not letting them cry it out and that's something I used to work in childcare and I used to hate that when we had to close the door and you just had so many kids to deal with and you just had to close the door and give them a bottle which nowadays you wouldn't do in the bed And you could hear them crying and you thought, oh, I just want to go and pat them. But you just knew that you had to let them cry themselves to sleep. And I used to hate that. Right. It's hard. And it's a big topic in my line of work, for sure. And what I have found, humans of all ages, you and I included, we're extremely habitual when it comes to sleep, right? Most of us as adults, we sleep on the same side of the bed each night. We might use a particular pillow. We might like to lay in a certain position, whatever it is. We all got these little things. And even as adults, if I came into your home and said, all right, Helen, you need to go to bed in this bed at this time and this way, you'd probably be like, "Mm, I don't think so, lady. (laughs) And so on one hand, when we work on potentially changing children's sleep habits, we do have to expect some level of protest or resistance. And so depending on the age, that protest or resistance might be communicated through tears. What I find is when you set them up for success from the start, you can avoid a lot of extra or unneeded protest. I talk to a lot of parents here, they're doing their best and they're trying to get their child to sleep well on their own. And they tell me they've been doing certain things for a couple of weeks and their kids still crying for long periods of time. But then when we look at what happened before that, their routine isn't optimal for good sleep. Their schedule is wildly off base for the child's age and development. Their physical sleep environment isn't conducive to good sleep. They've got all these other pieces that are not helping. It's kind of like an uphill battle. And it doesn't necessarily mean your child's going to like night one okay, mom, I'm going to go to sleep. But we can cause a lot of extra problems that aren't needed, make it a lot harder for the child to learn to sleep well if we haven't addressed everything that comes first. So I always tell families that portion is just as important as anything else. And so many parents in this day and age jump straight to, how do I sleep train? How do I get my kid to sleep without even looking and all those other pieces. How do we prepare them? How do we set them up? And when they start getting old, we need to those toddler years. And even if they don't have expressive communication, if they have receptive, they can understand stuff. We're going to teach them. We're going to talk to them. We're going to get them involved, bring them into the picture so that they can learn what we're talking about, why sleep is important for them in a very child-friendly way. So that 
they're not confused so that they get a little more comfortable and confident. Just something that when you were talking about that, it just came up. You have your sleep routine. It's all going really Mm -hmm. smoothly. You started when they were a baby and when they get to maybe one and a half, two, maybe a little bit younger, when they start moving from their cot to a bed, that would obviously be something that's changing the routine slightly. You still follow the routine. But now, mm-hmm. not putting them in their cot, they're going into this mm-hmm. strange bed that they mm-hmm. may not be used to. How mm-hmm. do you incorporate that into the sleep yes. routine? Mm-hmm. Good question. And I hear from a lot of parents who call me at that transition because maybe they had a kiddo who was doing well in the crib. They make that transition and kiddo isn't used to it. They're a little bit confused. And also, there are no rails and there mm. is this newfound freedom, so to speak, in their mind of, well, I can get right out of this bed. And so babies that were sleeping well are now crawling out of their bed and not sleeping 17 times a night, exaggeration, but still. So I find that if parents can be a little bit more intentional before that happens, a lot of times something triggers that transition. It might be that mom is pregnant, they're going to have another baby and they want to use the crib for baby number two. It might be that they think baby is going to start climbing out of the crib or they've seen baby try to climb out of the crib. Sometimes it happens really rushed like that for a reason and they're just like, okay, no more crib. Regardless though, if you can get ahead of it and plan for it so that once again, we can bring your child into the loop and kind of prepare them about what's to come. Personally, I prefer two and a half years of age Mm -hmm. when at all possible because it's just brain development. It's cognitively really hard for a child under that to understand, remember, and follow through on, this is my bed. I'm supposed to stay in this bed. Even though there's no rails, I'm supposed to stay here. So sometimes with 18-month-old babies, it can be really hard because They're just not cognitively ready for that kind of responsibility. And then everybody gets frustrated and is not sleeping well. If we wait till that age, we can start to teach them. We tell them it's going to happen. We talk about kind of the expectations. So, okay, this is your new bed. I'm going to do our routine like we do every night. I tuck you in, we go to sleep, and then this is your bed. You can stay in your bed and lay here quietly. Until morning, in my coaching practice, I use a lot of visuals, a lot of little charts on the wall, not just the bedtime routine, but some reminders of what they're supposed to be doing. And then another thing that's really, really helpful is using a toddler clock. Some people call them a toddler clock. Some people call them an okay to wait clock. You could find them on Amazon. There's a lot of different brands, but basically it's a very simple little light up call it a clock that's not like a real clock but you basically can set it so that it shows them with an indicator of light is it nighttime am i supposed to be in bed or is it morning time is it time to get up and it can help like you put it in the room so the ones in my kids room don't have lights at night but when it's time to get up in the morning they turn green and it makes the sound of some birds chirping they're supposed to get up in the morning with the birds chirping these tools, audio visual tools, can help teach them and give them something 
tangible. They know every time that goes off, mommy's going to be here. Of course, if they have a true need before that goes off, but otherwise it can help them to kind of learn when is it morning? When is it night? For little ones who don't know what time of day it is, 4 a.m. may seem like morning. So I think it's all about being prepared for them getting out of their bed, helping to prepare them and setting them up for success before we just wing it. How about having the little bed in the bedroom, having the cot there as well, but also having the bed in the bedroom and saying to them, yeah, I know this is your cot, but we're going to move gradually to the bed. So they get used to seeing the bed there. (laughs) Yeah. And then eventually you leave the cot open and you say to the right, we'll try you in the bed tonight. But if you get scared, you can just go back into the cot. I don't know whether that's a good technique or not. I just thought of that. Yeah, yeah. I think it could help some kids, especially. I mean, all kids are different. For those kids who might need a little bit more preparation, it would help. It wouldn't be a reason not to do it, but my advice around just being cautious would be, does it accidentally become a play space? Because we still got my crib, I'm going to sleep in there. Yes, of course. Just because confusion, things that seem so straightforward to us as adults, may not be to them. And I'm always a big proponent of this is for adults too. The bed is for sleeping. As adults, try not to be on your phone or eating or watching TV. We all tend to do it, but trying to keep the bed a place and this is for sleep can help our bodies natural kind of, okay, I'm in this place. It's time for sleep. So I would be cautious about that. Just kind of what else does that bed become in the meantime? And then Depending on parents' long-term goal, this would be different for every family, but if the goal becomes, okay, now it's time to really be in the big kid bed, we want to be done with the crib of having a line in the sand of when that happens. Now, if you don't care, if everybody's sleeping good and your family's good, then I'm happy if you're happy. If that means one night we're in the cot and one night we're in the bed. But if the goal is this transition from A to B and not a lot of middle ground, We just have to think about the level of confusion for kids. Mm, There's no other reason. Just with any boundaries coming from childcare, you can relate, I'm sure. If we think about it like any other boundary we might put in place for a kid in the day, if the boundary isn't clear because we're going back and forth because it feels fine to us, it can send a pretty confusing message to a child about what am I supposed to be doing right now? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I think all that depends on the kid, the age, their temperament, their level of understanding. But I do think from a sense of I'm getting used to this. It's not like one day I'm in my crib and one day I'm in my big kid bed. So I think that a family would have to trial and error that to see how their kid responds. Or take them with them when they're buying the bed, the new bed. And say to them, look, we're buying a new bed for you. Would you mm-hmm. like to come with mm-hmm. us and choose your bed? You take a picture of the bed mm-hmm. and you put it next to the crib yeah. and you say, right, you've ordered this bed. Now tomorrow we're going to right. set up the new bed. Would you like to help us? And that way you're getting them involved in the process, supporting Absolutely. them. But I think that really helps because children, as you said earlier, they love to be a part of what's going on in their life. They like to mm-hmm. feel involved. And if you're doing that, yeah. you're helping them to be involved. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree with that, for sure. I think routine-wise, what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation is really great for bedtime. However, 
daytime sleep's important too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes nap time routine gets overlooked a little bit. And honestly, daytime sleep is harder for all humans. And so, especially with little ones. And so having a nap time routine as well, I find is important. It's not usually as long as a bedtime routine. It might be five or 10 minutes. And, you know, we're not going to be having a bath. Probably aren't going to need to change clothes unless they're dressed up in something uncomfortable. But, you know, changing the diaper, putting them on the sleep sack, reading a little book, singing the same song from bedtime at nap time, the same key phrase, having it as similar as possible in this kind of short and condensed version can also help that. So just wanted to mention, don't forget daytime sleep. Just be aware of schedules. So every family is different on how structured their lifestyle or their schedules will allow them to be. Some babies do well with really dialed in schedules. Some can tolerate more variants. There's loads of information for free on the internet, but to get a ballpark idea of sleep needs so that they're not wildly over or undertired because getting through that bedtime routine with an overtired child or baby is going to be really hard. But also going from awake to asleep, overtiredness and undertiredness can be as equally challenging on a baby finding their way to sleep. So trying to find your baby's sweet spot and then keeping up with that kind of as they grow, because it changes as they grow. I didn't know anything about that the first time around when I became a mom and having a little bit of knowledge so that you've got this kind of ballpark. So once again, we're setting them up for success. We're not trying to get them to sleep when they need another 90 minutes of awake time or trying to get them to sleep when they've been stretched a couple of hours. A lot of times parents I talk with their hesitation about working on sleep, whether it's with me or not, they're fearful that when they do this, that they're going to have this massive change to their lifestyle, to their social life, because they're going to be tied down to the schedule. From my perspective, with my own kids and helping all the families I have, when we can get the sleep on track and honor their schedule, I find it is so much more freeing for your lifestyle and for your social life or whatever it is, because you know when and where your baby's going to sleep. You can totally plan that. If you're going to take your baby and sign them up for a little mommy and me play class, you look for the class that falls in between naps or in the morning. Rather than it being this kind of black hole of I never know, are they going to be okay at 10 o'clock? Are they not? Are they going to be cranky and tired? When we can kind of get their day settled around getting good sleep, then they're going to be rested happy during the awake time, the time that you get to do those play dates and things is going to be that much more meaningful because it's not going to be stressful and your baby's not going to be cranky. So I tend to find it the opposite. That once we get that on track, everything is much more freeing. And once you get it on track, you can have some variance. Your baby's going to be resilient. If you get their sleep on track, you get them used to things. You have an off day or you decide to take a day trip to a big park You can do things like that every now and then and get them back on track. You just want to have all those tools in place so that you have that to come home to and it doesn't kind of spiral and get them out of of whack. We've spoken about a lot today. So if anybody wanted to get in touch with you and find out about what you do, how would they go about doing that? Absolutely. So I have a website at www.tranquil.com. 
www.ashley-beginnings.com. If you go onto that website, you'll find all the other ways to contact me so you can reach out. There's also a way to schedule a Zoom chat with me that's complimentary. It is just a way for us to chat face-to-face. We'll talk about what's going on for your family. I'll share with you how I help families. It is 100% no pressure, no obligation. Doesn't require you to book any sort of service with me. So any family that wants to kind of chat face-to-face can do that. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. So on there, you can obviously reach out to me through Messenger, but there's all sorts of tips and parenting stuff coming out on my accounts there that you can follow along with. Thank you, Hilary. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I've really, really enjoyed having you on the podcast. I've learned a lot more about this sort of sleep routine and coming from my background, it's been really interesting because I think we come from a similar natural tranquil approach to your website, Tranquil Beginning. And I think that's very important for any child. Same as well, Helen. Thank you so much. Wow. Hilary shared a ton of great tips during our chat relating to infant sleep and I learned a lot from her and I hope you did too. I highly recommend checking out her website, her social media and why not take her up on the offer of a complimentary chat. I've included links to Hilary's website and social media in the show notes which can be found at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash one two zero. On the first time mum's chat podcast I spoke with a number of experts about infant sleep and I'm regularly asked for tips and suggestions from mum on this topic. Is infant sleep an area that you would like to know more about? Or do you have any questions relating to it? If so, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me via email at support at mybabymassage.net. That's support at mybabymassage.net. Next week, I'm chatting with midwife, childbirth educator, Bo Wilson, all about active birthing. Bo will be talking about being active and upright to support the physiology of labour. Be sure to listen to this episode when it comes out next week. And please subscribe to First Time Mums Chat via your favourite platform so that you can get quick and easy access to all our episodes when they are live.